I'm Charlie Keegan. This is the Central Wigan Podcast. Hello and welcome back to the Central Wigan Podcast. It is episode 10 and it is the first podcast episode of 2023. So before we get started, I just want to wish everybody a happy new year and I hope that you all had a great night. This is now the match preview for the Hull City versus Wigan Athletic game at the DW on Monday the 2nd of January for a 3 o'clock kickoff. And on this episode, we are joined by Jack from the 10 Foot Tigers. He gives us a great insight into being a Hull City fan this season and what it's been like, because they've also gone through two managers just like Wigan Athletic have. And I would say that they're at the position now that we wish to be under Colo Torre. There's no hiding behind that the end of last year was difficult for us, and hopefully we can close that chapter and move on. Last year, between October and December, it brought a lot of challenges and changes, but the new year brings new optimism, opportunities, and a lot of new horizons to tackle. Colo Torre, the board, the backroom staff and even the players on the field, they've all got a really difficult hill to climb now until May, but we need to get behind them, move on and go out and get that first three points on offer of the new year. So as we usually do on the match previews, we're going to go through the form and the stats for both sides heading into this game. Then we'll talk a bit about the reverse fixture back in October. I want to then go through the who to watch players. I've listed three that we need to watch out for. Then we'll hear from Jack from the 10 Foot Tigers. It's a great listen on that podcast. I had to catch up with him early this week. Then we'll talk about the team selection that Wigan should put out and then our final thoughts overall on the game. So as mentioned before, Hull City, just like Wigan, are operating under their second manager of the season. The Tigers started the season with Shota Arvaladze, who achieved three wins, two draws and five losses in his first 10-game stint. And then he got sacked in September. After a brief stint under a caretaker manager, Liam Rossini took over on November the 3rd and it's led the side to two wins, four draws and one loss overall. Despite being in the dugout for three or less games, Rossini is now operating at 1.43 points per game compared to the time under Schotter where they were averaging 1.10 points per game. Over their most recent five fixtures in the championship, Hull have recorded one win, three draws and one loss. They have scored four, conceded four but crucially kept two clean sheets. The side from the northeast have become quite hard to beat of late, with Rossini having looked to brought a bit of a balance and a calmness to their side. And after taking over, when Hull had only accumulated six wins, two draws, and ten losses, they now sit on 30 points, which is roughly six points off the playoff spots heading into the game, which just highlights how far they could really go if they start turning these draws into wins consistently from mm. now on. They're quite a hard team to beat. Most recently, they beat Birmingham City 1-0 away from home. Before that, it was a 1-1 against Blackpool SC. December 17th, they drew 1-1 with Sunderland. December the 11th, they drew 0-0 with Watford, which I think is a brilliant result because Watford are actually a very difficult team to beat this year. And then on November the 12th, they suffered their first loss under Liam Rossini with a home loss of 2-1 to Reading. On the flip side, I think you'd be dealt a very, very tough task to actually find a club who are more desperate to close the door in 2022 than Wigan Athletic. We'd suffered two back-to-back 4-1 defeats to Middlesbrough and Sunderland and have picked up just one point in Colo Torre's first four games. Our previous five games have seen us win one, draw one and lose three. And in that same period, we have scored six, conceded 12 and have still yet to keep a clean sheet since our 1-0 victory at the DW to Blackburn Rovers on October the 11th. That is now a run of 12 games. I don't really know how Colo Torre solves this puzzle, but hopefully with the help of the January transfer window and a little bit longer to implement his play style, I am hopeful that we'll see an upward trajectory soon and start to climb our way to safety. As mentioned before, most recently we lost 4-1 at home to Sunderland. Before that, we lost 4-1 away at Middlesbrough. The game before that on December 19th was a 2-1 loss at home to Sheffield United. 
Before that, it was a 1-1 draw at the Den against Millwall, and then on November 12th was our last home win, a 2-1 win against Blackpool. This is now the second time this season we will play Hull City. The first fixture was on October the 5th, where we travelled up to the MKM Stadium, and despite a Will Keane opening goal on the 14th minute, where Teloaz guard whipped it into Will Keane who headed it in, the Tigers pounced seven minutes later to equalise through Demetrius Pelkas, which was a header at the far post, and then Wigan ended up conceding late on to Oscar Estepinian's header from a corner as well. All three goals were headers, and it ended up meaning that Hull City took a full three points on the day. So right now, Hull City are in 18th position with 30 points, and Wigan Athletic are on 24th position with 24 points. So if we can beat Hull, we can close the gap to three points, and we can also propel ourselves up to 22nd and leave Huddersfield and Blackpool behind us. Despite having a bit of a rough start to the season, Hull's attacking threat has been fairly decent. I found two key players that we should worry about most, and then the third choice is up for a debate of who you'd rank there, because there's quite a lot in competition for that third spot. But to top the list is 26-year-old Colombian international Oscar Estepinian. He arrived from the Portuguese side Vitoria Gomares in July 2022 as a free agent, and since then he hit the ground running picking up seven goals and one assist in his first six championship games, which also included a hat-trick against Coventry City. After his hat-trick on game week seven, he only picked up three goals in the next 15 games, the first of which came against Wigan in the reverse fixture, and then in the last two games against Blackpool and Birmingham, he scored a goal in each. That's now two goals in four matches under the management of Liam Rossinia, whilst even missing three games due to injury. And if we've learned anything from the danger of Tuber Akpom being in good form under Michael Carrick at Middlesbrough, we have to really worry about Estepinian here because he does seem to be getting back into the form he was at the start of the season. Next up, I've chosen 27-year-old Turkish international Ozan Tufan. He's a central midfielder who also arrived at Hull in July 2022, but he did cost them £4 million in a move from Fenerbahce. He scored four goals in 21 games, and despite being on the bench last time out, it is quite rare for him to miss out entirely. And once his presence is on the pitch, he is a big danger to opposition teams. And then finally, and he isn't the third highest goal scorer at the club, but I'm going to choose captain Jacob Greaves as the third and final player to watch. He's six foot three, English, 22 years old, and he actually started the season as a centre-back, moved to left-back since mid-October to better suit the game plan. Since the switch was made, Greaves has registered two goals and two assists, his first two goals ever for Hull in playing over 100 games for them, and he's actually likened to a Dan Burns style of player by the Hull and Back podcast. He's said to be quite pacey so he can push up on that left-hand side, but also if Cyrus Christie on the right-hand side decides to push up, Greaves can move across in the defence to cook to make a back three for the cover, so it does sound like he's going to be a bit of a nuisance at both ends of the field. And earlier this week, I spoke to Jack from the 10 Foot Tigers just to discuss the first game of the new year and also gain some insight into life as a whole City fan and how he feels that the game is going to go. So this is Jack from the 10 Foot Tigers. Okay, so today we are joined by Jack from the 10 Foot Tigers. How are you doing, Jack? Uh, good, thank you. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Obviously, you won last night. You won 1-0 against Birmingham away from home. You have a Wigan game at the DW as well on Monday, the 2nd of January, which is another away game. How are you feeling that your recent form is coming into this game? It's, it's okay. We have lost one under a senior. We've drawn three and we've won, obviously, one last night. So five games, won one, lost one and drawn three. Yeah, you seem to be quite a hard team to beat at the moment. Obviously, I'm just looking over the last five games of yours. You've scored four, conceded four, kept two clean sheets, but one of them was a nil-nil against Watford, which is a big achievement in my eyes. I think that Watford are a very, yes. very good side. And your one loss was a 2-1 to Reading. Again, notoriously hard for beaten. But that 1-0 against Hull, uh, against Birmingham, sorry. Obviously, those three points. I think they propelled you up to 30 points. Is that right? Yeah, one 18th now. 
because it was a very difficult start under Schotter, wasn't it? I think he played 10 games but lost five of them and then it led to his sacking around September time. Yeah, well, we started off the season well, obviously beating uh, Bristol 2-1. Uh, then we went to Preston where we uh, drew 0-0. And then we went to we beat, beat Norwich at home 2-1. And then Coventry 3-2. And then we, did, we started off really well. We drew against Burnley and then it just started going downhill after we had a few injuries and then shot her. And we went to QPR and we got beat 3-1. And from there, it's just, we've just been um, falling. What do you think the main issue was with life under Schotter? Because I remember a Cyrus Christie interview where he came out and he said that he didn't really even know what his role in the side was. Do you think that it was just a miscommunication from the management to the to the players or do you think it was something a bit different? Well, what I think it is, is last season we had a completely different team to this season. We have new signings, we've shipped off many players and we've brought in new ones and it just we haven't gelled. We just couldn't gel properly and obviously it's a new manager and new players who don't really know each other that well so it's quite difficult for the manager in my Eyes. Is there a very different management style from Schotter to Liam Rossini? Is there a, is it definitely on the field or is it more like a mentality thing off the field? Yeah, well, with Schotter, wasn't really attacking that much, wasn't really threatening with the ball, was keeping it at the back, passing it from defender to defender to goalie. And with Liam Rossini, we started to stop doing that. We're trying to drive up the pitch more, getting the goalkeeper to boot it up upfield and making long balls instead of just short passes, which I think is quite good, actually. And through all of that, you've had one key man as well up top, uh, Oscar Estepinion. Does he oh, play as yeah. a striker he plays as? as more of a central yeah, attacking forward. It's just forward. He's always, he's, he's, I think he's played every game except for when he got too much banned for getting a card at Millwall. But it's just, he's always, he's always, always on. He's up front and he's, I think he's scored like 10 goals for us now. He's got one hat trick. And he's just carried us to a lot of wins. Without him, I think we're struggling to get goals. Is there any other players outside of Estepinion that you think could be a main target person or a main danger man that we need to look out for? Well, we have recently welcomed back Ali Asai-Madesh to our team. He'd come back from four months injury. He uh, got substituted on last game against Blackpool. And then Louis Coyle got subbed on and we got a, a goal back. And it's just a huge difference. There's more energy on the wing. He's getting the ball in. and um, But the thing is, no one's finishing it. But... Without him, there's not much energy with the team. Is there any big key injuries that players won't feature against Wigan or anybody that you think could be coming back against Wigan? Last week, whole Twitter announced, obviously, Ali Asimadesh back in training and then they also introduced Benjamin Tete. They both went out at the same time. We haven't heard anything about Tete, but obviously Asimadesh is back. So I think it's just the same squad as Birmingham going into the Wigan game. Right, it's going to be quite an advantage for you. We've got a huge injury crisis at the moment. I think oh, most dear. of our back line is out. I think our only remaining centre-back is Curtis Tilt. We've got Jason Kerr out with an ACL. Jack Watmore's out injured. Uh, Charlie Hughes, who's just come from our academy, got injured last time out. Came off after 15 minutes. Romani Emmons Green's got a sickness bug, so we're going to really makeshift back line. So I think Oscar Estepinion's going to be loving that one. Yeah, well, the thing is with Oscar, when um, Ali Asabadesh was injured, he didn't really have anyone running up with him. It was just him on his own, so he was finding it difficult to just like get up. I think in the Blackpool game, he managed to get past the man, but then he got dragged down. So you can tell Ali Asimadesh, him coming back, has improved the team. I was looking at this yesterday because I was on another podcast and we were talking about Hull City, especially life under Shotter, where obviously Cyrus Christie was saying there's a bit of a mystification around what his team role yeah. is. There was a real lack of cohesion in that side. But then obviously you still had Oscar Estepinion banging in the goals. And I do think that that is very similar to the way that Wigan are now. You know, we've got Will Keane, who's on nine goals now himself. Under Liam Richardson, towards the end, there was a real lack of any sort of cohesion. We were struggling. Life under Cola Torre hasn't gone as planned. You know, we've lost three of our in four games with him. I think Is it four one? Yeah, with back-to-back 4-1 losses. Yeah. Oh, dear. <laughs> when you're looking at the side, especially 
against the Sunderland game last time out where we lost 4-1 again. We really didn't know what we were doing. Everybody was really slow. There was no real creativity, no real flair. We were second to every single ball. You beat us 2-1 earlier in the season. Yes, and yeah. maybe there's not any... I don't think there's going to be a better time for you to play us again, to be honest. Than, than no, that, that's, what I was, that's what I was thinking. We're playing you at a good time. And playing you is actually a good game for us to get back into the um, goal-scoring rampage that we need. Yeah, I'm, I'm optimistic. I do think that... Or I'm hoping that we can go out and get a win. We haven't had a clean sheet since October the 11th, I think it is. It's a 12-game well, span, I think, is the longest in the championship. Well, you were our last home win. It's it's difficult with Hull City with the way we play. Sometimes we can play well. Like, earlier in the season, we uh, had, obviously, Andy Dawson took over, who used to be an old player for us. And we, he took us over him with 1-4-2. Then we get beat to Blackburn one 0 the next the next week. It's just too different. It's like it's two different teams. I think that's just the real struggle, especially when you're on the bottom of the championship, just trying to put a good run of form together. And I think that the fixture congestion around October didn't help teams like us. We haven't no, really got no. big squad depth, and the World Cup break came at a time where it was crucial. And then after that, you know, definitely all are obviously struggling to pick up a win at the moment. But you're not losing, which is a which is a big one. When he was talking about the um, Reading game, that was obviously I'm a whole City fan. I'm going to say this. We we should have won that. Oh, we should have took a point from that. It was um, a last-minute free kick, and Ryan Longman, our striker, put it in the back of the net. Own goal. It was it was a tricky one to take that one. Yeah, I think we we matched him a little bit, but then started to falter in the game, and we let in a really easy Tomins free kick where the wall didn't jump and then Ben Amos just couldn't get to it at all. It was really, that was a really yeah. poor game. Again, we should have probably got something from that, but we didn't. We're just being drawing, and we should be finishing off the game. It's just a, it's just a bit of a lack of energy and determination, everything with the team. But I think that that will um that will stop the favour into the league we go. So on Monday you're going to the DW, is that right? Yes, I am. Yep. How are you feeling going into that game, and what would you say that your game prediction would be, or what what result would you be happy to walk away with? Well, seeing that we um got a one nil win yes uh, last night, and then we'll just keep drawing. I'd be happy to to win two one. My brother said to me two nil. I'm thinking. No, I don't think we can keep a clean sheet just on the bounce. So I'm going to go two one. I reckon you score first. Like I think it might be the repeat, the repeat of uh, the fifth of October. Actually, I don't. Th- I don't think we'll thrash you. I don't because we're not the team to do that. We're in the form to be thrashed at the moment. So if you want to, oh, we yeah. can. <laughs> <laughs> that's what the thing is. With, that's what we'll have in our heads. We can thrash you. We'll probably get over too confident, and you'll score, and then we'll just we'll just lose it. Yeah, I think as well as a real, there's going to be a real energy now going into the first game of the new year. I think that for teams like Hull and like Wigan, who are struggling at the moment, trying to pick up points, 2022, we're just going to have to close the door on and try and look forward. So I'm excited yes, for this, definitely. this opening game. Yeah, I'm, I'm I'm happy. We've sold out the way crowd. If I um, remember correctly, the um, you said it was free travel and there's 20 coaches going and I tried looking at the tickets last night and it's just completely gone oh, so wow. we've got a good away, away crowd what's your home crowd like by the way we usually get around nine, ten thousand. so it's nothing staggering but it's a it's a relatively consistent sort of uh sort of turn yeah that's 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 decent for where you are in the league at the moment we are getting our last home match Blackpool had 19,170 so ever since this new owner's comeback is is up to our attendance we have a 20,000 atmosphere against Sheffield United. Obviously, it's the Yorkshire Derby. But yeah, our our attendance is going up incredibly high. Even though we're, bottom, we're near the bottom of the table, we're still getting a good crowd. I think you always expect that, or I always expect that from a, from a team like Hull, where the city very much focuses around Hull cities, especially like Newcastle. The whole town is around that sort of team. Sunderland yes, has the same, yeah. like diehard following. I think Hull can definitely be put in that category of sort of a diehard following from the town. In Wigan, there's a lot of people who will go and support Manchester City 
City or Man United or Liverpool. Oh, yeah, because like, yeah, Lancaster, close. yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it's still quite close, but then you get a, you get a place like Hull and the whole city seems to be towards that that football club, which is nice to see. Yeah, it's, it's great. We've got a good history, I think. If we didn't have that history, I don't think we'd have that many diehard fans as we would, but it's great to know that we've been in the Premier League a few times. We've had an FA Cup final where we got beat 3-2 by Arsenal. That was a tragic day. That. We should have played you in that final. I, I, was, I was on yes. a podcast talking about this the other day. It was Per Mertesacker. <laughs> he levelled the game up. He ended up going to Arsenal penalties and they won. Oh. But if not, we would have done back-to-back finals and we would have played you in the final. Yeah, it, it would have been a, be- a better game. I was, I was watching it. I was like, oh, 2-0 up. We can't, we can't obviously like lose now. And then obviously they, um, they just... They just did what I, what a team like that would do. I was look because I was interviewed by George from the KSRSRR podcast, um, which is on Spotify now, and I was looking at the goal scorers from the penalty shootout when we played them in that semi final. You had Mikel Arteta, who is now their manager, and you had yeah. Olivier Giroud, who's just played a World Cup final. So that was an interesting one. Oh dear, yeah. It just shows the quality back then, but. Going off your history, like you just said, you know, you've been to Premier Leagues, you've been in and around the Championship for a long, long time now. Where do you feel that this season, given the rocky start, do you think that you can finish this season? Well, this is what I was talking about in my recent match article yesterday. I was saying, if we can carry on with Rossini, what we're doing, if we can get um, a few wins back-to-back, maybe Wigan, and then I think we have Fulham um, in the FA Cup if we can win them I reckon we'll have confidence and each player will get confident and then we'll um, hopefully soar high into the championship I don't think we'll get second and fair or first I reckon close-ish to playoffs okay. so I reckon about eighth, eight, eight, four, seven for me if we carry on what we are I think when we got all them draws and all them losses I think we lost our chance at getting top six yeah it's a difficult one even though it's good to pick up points sometimes it's frustrating especially in games where you think you know, we could have won that to, to lose the two points. Yeah, it's, it, it was annoying. I, I just, I was getting quite bored of just writing draws and losses. I was like, we need a win. <laughs> I feel like, I feel like I'm just talking about losses and <laughs> losses and draws. Yeah. And that's all I'm talking about. But I don't think we've, we've not won a game since Blackpool at home, the game before the World Cup. Since then, I've seen all the World Cup games and then four games since we've come back. A little no, frustrating. Yeah. I know that is everything from me, Jack. So I want to thank you again for coming on. Obviously, if anybody wants to go and find Jack, you can find him on Substack, which is jackwatson.substack.com. It has an article on there, the 10-foot Tigers, covering all Hull City games. No, brilliant. Thank you for coming on. I really enjoyed that chat. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. No worries. Thank you. Yep. Thank you. So moving on to team selection and due to the importance of the three points that we need to get, I think that Torre needs to name his strongest 11 available to him. Now that sounds really the obvious thing to do, but over the last four games, he's really experimented with the match day squad. And I think he's now seen every player at least once, apart from Ben Amos, who's still coming back from his rib injury. Tom Pierce, who we haven't seen at all in the championship since the opening day where he featured for one minute. And then Charlie White, who is also coming back from an injury. I think they're the only three players from the first team that Colo Torre has now not seen. But I think that one of the changes that does need to be made is maybe JB Jones going out for Ben Amos. They've both now played 13 games this season with Amos actually playing the EFL Cup fixture against Fleetwood Town. So they're tied on 13 games each now. But in the championship, Jones has conceded 24 goals and kept one clean sheet, whereas Amos has conceded 18 goals and kept three clean sheets. So that's why I'm leaning towards Ben Amos starting. He's not played since his rib injury in game week 16, but over the last nine games, Jamie Jones has conceded 18 goals, and I do feel that the break is going to be quite good for him. Defensively, we're still really struggling. Charlie Hughes limped off after 15 minutes against Sunderland. He landed on his leg really awkwardly after taking a big hit from, I believe it was Barr, early on in the game. 
Jason Kerr is out for the season with an ACL, as we know. Jack Watmore limped off against Sheffield United after 30 minutes, and Romani Edmonds Green has missed the last two games due to sickness. I do feel that Edmonds Green is going to be back for the whole clash and will partner Curtis Till at centre back. I do think it's important as well. If we do have two centre backs who can play, we need to play them two together. To the right, I hope that we see Ryan Niambi. I just think that Tendai Darik has looked so off it recently this season, and he's just looked so tired against Sunderland. So, in my opinion, put Ryan Niambi in. And I'd also think bring Joe Bennett into the left-back role. James McLean has now played every game this season and the last six have been consecutive 90 minutes. For the last two games, he's been at left-back and in my opinion, he's got a really low passing accuracy in that position and I think that's causing possession to turn over far too consistently and he does look like he needs a rest. If we do remain with the 4-2-3-1 formation, which is Cole Torres' preferred system by the look of it, the midfield duo is a really difficult one for me. Graham Chinney's recently been reported to be heading back to Derby and if that is true then I can't see him wanting to start the Scotsman from the off and I think that we're going to stick with the players who are going to be with us until May at least. Max Power has played every single minute of the season so far and I can't really see him coming out of the side. He got an assist quite recently and I think that you know he's, he's one of the favoured players by Liam Richardson and obviously now by Colo Torre as well. The person to partner him is always a big debate. And my biggest issue with Jordan Cousins is the lack of closing down and pressing. It just allows opposition players too much time to think about what they're going to do and then execute it. Tom Naylor was awarded the Player of the Match performance on the Progress of Unity podcast last time out. And I do think that his press in our midfield will be stronger than Jordan Cousins. So I would like Max Power and Tom Naylor to start. We also really need to get back into scoring more than one goal a game. Obviously, we haven't scored two goals a game since November the 12th against Blackpool FC. But we have scored a goal in each of Torre's first four games in charge. I think that Teloaz guard was a real bright spark in our attack last time out. And I do really want him to start again at the left attacking mid-roll. Alongside Wilkeen in the centre, who is looking for his 10th goal of the season. And Callum Lang on the right. I think that when Asgard and Lang came off against Sunderland, we looked really disjointed. And I hope that the decision was nothing more than to rest them for this game. Up top, we saw Ashley Fletcher pay the full 90, and Nathan Broadhead was an unused substitute. Broadhead is being rumoured to be going back to Everton. He might be getting recalled. But I do hope that Colo Torre chooses him for this game, because he is a more tricky player than Ashley Fletcher, and I do think that with three tall centre-backs, he may be able to nip through them, especially if Jacob Greaves and Cyrus Christie are going to try and push forward. That then leaves seven positions on the bench, and I think that if Ben Amos is going to start, obviously I would like to see Jamie Jones there. Then the two defenders I would like to see are Tom Pace if he's fit and Charlie Hughes if he's fit. I think the game might be a little bit too soon for Jack Watmore, but if he is also on the road to recovery, I don't think it's worth trying to play him in this game and keep him fit for the games that are coming. Also on the bench, I would like to see Jordan Cousins, Anthony Scully, Ashley Fletcher, and if he is fit, Charlie Wyke. So on New Year's Day, there was five games in the championship, obviously the day before Wigan Athletic play. Those results were Blackburn 1, Cardiff 0, Huddersfield 1, Luton 2, Coventry 1, Bristol 1, Millwall 3, Rotherham 0 and Blackpool 1, Sunderland 1. Now if we can get 3 points against Hull City that would see us climb now to 22nd place on 27 points and would put us 3 points behind Hull City as well so the path to try and get out of the relegation zone is there but it's really on us now to just go over and get that win. And as usual, we don't make life easier for ourselves most of the time, but this is a game we've just got to go out, fight everything for the win, and Colo Torre is going to be desperate to try and get his first win as manager. The first four games, he failed with it. I don't really think that's on him. I think that is due to a lot of the players. But just to get this win, push on in the January transfer window and try and get some players in on loan, some youngsters, some exciting players. I think that if we can start getting these wins now, we're going to be in a much better position come February to try and then push on towards the end of the season. But that is everything from me on this episode. 
As always, you can follow our Twitter page, which is at Central Wigan. You can find the link to our Substack, which is our email newsletter where we do match previews, match reviews, loan reports, and under-21 reports as well. There is a free version, and there is also a paid version for just £3.50 a month, which is only 50p more than a match day programme each game. The link for that is centralwigan.substack.com. I was also on the Progress for Unity podcast earlier this week, so that is all linked on my Twitter page as well. But I will be back on this podcast after the game to do a full breakdown, hopefully, of a win. I've really missed doing a breakdown of getting the full three points after a game. Usually we're talking about losses or draws. So that is everything from me. Thank you for listening to the Central Wigan podcast and up the ticks.